We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Welcome to another BuzzBeat. We are live on YouTube. Thanks for joining for another episode. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian. Uh, we are recording this on the tail end of the Panthers game, so I'm sure many of our Charlotte listeners are probably tuned into that game. But as we were speaking uh, pre-recording, we were uh, already ruling this game out, ruling this season out. It's just not been a fun watch for these first two and a half games. Seeing, so. It's uh, not great when you don't have a, a first-round pick either in the upcoming draft. But uh, let's see. Uh, you know, th- this is a question for a whole other day, and uh, I am certainly not the one to answer these things. But, uh, boy, the uh, the David Tepper era, um, I don't know. Where does he rank uh, amongst bad owners in pro sports? Because uh, it's not been a, a booming start uh, the first, you know, uh, four or five years here. He came in hot. He came in with a lot of energy, and I feel like the <laughs> city rallied around him and just it liked his involvement. But like from yeah. on field and stuff, like you know, and even that Rock Hill thing with the uh, practice facility, how that just kind of went a debacle. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, the um, practice facility, Matt Rule, the way they've like handled the quarterback position, they they don't strike me as a team that prior to this season had like much of a plan, and now it seems like there's somewhat of a plan, but like it has to work with Bryce or else the plan is really bad. So uh, best of luck uh, to the Panthers and the diehard fans. There's a lot of people that care about that team a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I want them to be good, but man, it's uh it's been hard times recent years. Exactly. And uh, it's not like we can act like the Hornets have been all that great either, but we are no. here. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> we are here to talk about them anyway. Uh, we're going to discuss some trade rumors that they probably won't even be a part of, but we are here to entertain those ideas anyway. So we'll talk about a little bit about Tyler Hero and maybe a little bit about Buddy Heald. I know that was kind of like a, not really a rumor or a report by any means, but just an idea of him potentially being on the trade block. So these trade rumors, first off, uh, Jake Fisher has reported that uh, if Portland ultimately does business with Miami, He stated that the Jazz, the Bulls, the Hornets, and the Nets are considered teams that would be involved in facilitating a trade, and they could 
potentially land Tyler Hero. So they would obviously not be a, a team that's just trading straight up with Portland. They'd be a third team or a fourth team. And I, I feel like this trade saga, Brian, has just gone on way too long. And it almost feels like Portland doesn't even want to deal with Miami. Like that That's his preferred destination. But everything that I've heard, like Portland wants to deal with other teams. Do you get that sense too? Or, or am I just kind of reading the reports wrong? Yeah, no, I thought Chris Haynes had a report last week, Richie, that said Joe Cronin, I believe he's the, the GM. I'm not sure what his official title is, but the guy that is, you know, runs basketball ops for the Blazers, that he was, um, he at the time, he was not entertaining calls with, um, excuse me, with Miami's front office, which we'll see. I do think ultimately Lillard is going to end up in Miami. I do kind of think what's the most recent developments, like with Toronto, Chicago, Philadelphia. Like, I do wonder, and maybe you, maybe I'd be curious to know how you feel about this. Like, is it, if this is um, like Portland, sort of like a little bit of a leverage play to see if they can squeeze anything else extra out of Miami in these, in this, in the, Trades. I mean, it does sort of seem like we've known what Miami's packet trade package has been for a while now. But if if the Blazers can get better stuff from other teams, then it would be irresponsible for for Joe Cronin to not being not doing his due diligence and also like um, trying to get the best offer uh, for Damian Lillard. Like I know there's been a lot of discussion about. Um, because Dame's given a decade of his Hall of Fame career to this franchise, and that he owes it to that they owe it to him now to move him to the right place or where he wants to go. And I hear that. I just don't necessarily agree with it. Like Damian Lillard signed a massive, massive extension, um, and when he did that, he punted on uh, his autonomy to play where he wants to play. Like he had the opportunity to, have, you know. To, to have, have gone into free agency and that was something he opted not to do. Um, and so you kind of can't have both. You can't sign for the massive, massive dollar amount and then also say, trade me here and only here. It doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. So I still do think we'll see a Dame in Miami one way or the other, but this is an interesting time period because I, I'll be curious to see if Portland is like very serious about fielding these offers from Toronto, Chicago, et cetera, or Philadelphia, um, who we talked about some on the last episode with Spencer, um, or if this is sort of like a posturing or a leverage move on their part to try to ring a little bit more out of, out of Miami. But Portland has an idea of like where they want to go. Like they've got Scoot, they got Scoot Henderson. It's funny that the Hornets, I think, played a role in all of this. You know, it would be funny if they came back on the back end and ended up like facilitate the trade too. Because I just, I wonder what the same, what the urgency would look like if Brandon Miller falls to three, Scoot Henderson gets taken by the Hornets at two, Miller falls to three, and maybe who knows, maybe the Blazers even go with Amen Thompson at three, um, as opposed to to Brandon Miller, and maybe that impacts how they handle things with uh. With uh, with Dame going forward, but with Henderson and with Shaden Sharp, you know they've got like a really awesome, exciting young backcourt to build around, and they've got other guards in house too. Like they've got to figure out what they want to do with Anthony Simons, um, and it doesn't feel like they can really do any of that until they move forward with Lillard. But time is, I, I do think, is on their side to an extent. I suppose there could be some awkwardness come you know the start of training camp and media day if Dame is still there, but 
it, in the long run, they've got their like young backcourt. So it's like this is going to shake out eventually one way or the other, and they're going to get some stuff to build around those guys with. So I don't know. What is your take on sort of like the latest of the of the Dame saga? It does feel like everyone got back from summer vacation two weeks ago, and like that's just uh, lit the lit the fuse again here. Yeah, it it could be posturing, but I also feel like when you look at Miami's roster. They don't have a ton of young guys that would be enticing to me. Like if no. I had Dame, I was trying to trade like no. the guy from UCLA. What's his name? Jaime Hawk. Jaime Hawkes. 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 Yeah. Other than that, like I don't, I don't really see like Highsmith, but he's not really like a young guy. Nikola jo- Jovic, their first round pick last year, yeah. maybe. But at this Hard. point, he's at least in terms of like what he can do on an NBA floor is largely still unknown, and he he is obviously very you know he's quite young. There's a lot of you know there's. <clears throat> international tape on him too but so that's a guy that you could say is like a bit of an upside play but um yeah that is that is not an off that's not a a roster that is set for the long term like they need to maximize butler now Mm -hmm. which is why there it does feel like there's a lot of urgency for them to swing this uh this dame trade and they lost two good play they lost several good players this offseason like max Struess signed with cleveland Gabe Vincent signed with the the Lakers, so like they're missing two of their key rotation guys from a season ago, and um, so I don't know. Like they like they just the East is I think wide open to an extent, I guess, but they're not in a great spot right now until they're able to like swing this swing this deal and try to keep as much of that roster uh, intact. So you could see why they're trying to you know play hold on to their leverage and try to get this thing done, but. I don't I don't love their position at the moment other than it just seems like inevitable that this is going to happen that like Dame's going to get you know what he wants and he'll be awesome in Miami like when he gets there like he's 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 a ridiculously good player too. We're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And so, you know, when I was mentioning like the young players in Miami, it almost feels like they have to get a third team involved, whether that is Chicago, whether that is Philadelphia or the Raptors or the Suns. And if Charlotte gets involved as a third team with Miami involved as well, there have been some links with Tyler Hero and the Hornets. So I guess we'll start there, Brian. I mean, I don't want to necessarily, I don't have any fake trades. Um, I, I, I tried so hard to come up with a fake trade on the NBA trade machine. I even included a fourth team. It was very <laughs> difficult to make all the money match and work and try to get fair value it was tough. It was difficult. And I was trying to, you know, balance it as perfectly as possible, even without the picks. Like I was just trying to get the players. It was, it was difficult. So I, I, I applaud uh, these GMs when they finally get this thing done, if it happens to be a three team deal, but let, let's just talk about Tyler hero, the player. It, let, let's just assume somehow he lands up in Charlotte. Like is the, is that a player that fans should get excited about? And, and we'll go ahead and just entertain that idea. I, I think when I think about Tyler hero, I think his strong suit is like his shot making. Like he's he's different than Rozier in the sense that Rozier is more of an off ball gravity guy, and that's what Rozier does best. And it's not that not that Tyler Hero can't run off screens. I just get the sense that he probably prefers to have the ball in his hands a little bit more often than kind of running off of screens. Like he's a talented pull up shooter. That's for sure. Yeah, range. like he may over dribble at times, but. You almost wonder, like, run some pick and rolls with him. You know, against a drop coverage, he could hit that mid-range shot. You run pick and roll with PJ. It's kind of like pick your poison. Interesting combo there, both being, I guess, Kentucky teammates, right? So, you know, it forces the defense to make a quick decision. If, if there's any confusion, Hero can definitely take advantage of that, too. And he's got the dribble moves to get bigs on their heels, and he uses that to his advantage. And it's funny, we talk about defensive stuff and how Hornets need that in the worst way possible. They don't have a lot of guys on the roster that can uh, be an impact player. And we mentioned his name a lot in a recent episode, and it was not necessarily in a good way. He's he's below average. Like I, I think that's pretty fair to say. And we see some limitations with him on that end when going through the Mark Williams film that we did uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's my quick breakdown of him. I, I think he's a very good shot maker. I, I think he's a guy that could feast in the mid range, but Brian, what do you see from hero as a player? And is, is he a guy that you would value on, on this roster? Not, not necessarily. I mean, you, you hit some of the high points, Richie, like he is a, a big time shot maker. He makes tough shots. He can create his own shot. I think he's grown a little bit as a pick-and-roll playmaker for others, though I don't think it's like um, an elite at like an elite level as far as him just like give him the ball, let him like break down the defense. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's that, though I do think he's earned some pick and roll reps. Um, I kind of wish his usage would actually get tilted closer to like what Rozier's does look like. I actually think he would be sort of interesting more as um, 
and, and certainly, you know, in Miami, you're going to get all the handoffs. You're going to get the split action, like that type of stuff. But I kind of think he should lean even more into like the off ball mover pathway. Um, it, but as you were noting, it doesn't seem like that's what he wants to do. It does seem like he wants to, certainly that's part of it, but he also wants to be a guy that, you know, is getting his spread pick and roll looks um, X number of them per game sort of like built into the offense as good as hero is offensively. He's again, he can really, really shoot. He's been an incredible corner three point shooter throughout his career. He can hit it from off the dribble above the break. He's got the mid range game. He's excellent in like the runner floater zone, but I think you would run into, I think a Lamelo hero backcourt offensively has a lot of the same limitations that yeah. the Lamelo Rozier backcourt has had barring some, a leap from one of those two guys. And they're both very, very young. And obviously I think LaMelo has a lot of upside and, and maybe hero has some stuff he can tap into. Like he's still probably 23, 24 years old. Like he's just now heading into his, uh, his fifth season in the NBA, which will be year one of his four year, $120 million contract um, extension, um, <clears throat> which will go into effect next season. So, but as, as far as those limitations go, like this is not someone that I think you just give him the ball and he's going to run 50 pick and rolls per game and that's going to turn into good offense. Um, I think you've got to design some stuff up for him. you got to scheme him some of these looks. And he doesn't fix any of the rim pressure concerns. And this is a guy who, according to Cleaning the Glass, 15% of his shots were at the rim last season. For his career, under 20% of his field goal attempts have come at the rim. That's a pretty... It's a pretty low number. Um, and obviously, like he's a great shooter from all every level of the floor, but he's smaller, he's not an incredible athlete. Um, and so I yeah, I do think he's just like limited in terms of like half court offensive creation impact. And if that's the case, that doesn't mean he's not a useful guy to pair with LaMelo. Like we've seen the we've seen the Hornets squeeze a top 10 a top six offense with a lot of Lamelo and uh and terry rosier involvement in in those looks and um hypothetically like hero and mark williams could be like a nice pick and roll battery like i you know it's like you could see some ways he would fit but like long term i just don't really see it as a backcourt that you pair together e- even because it's gonna have limitations on the offensive end and that would obviously be it's like strong side because defensively, this is someone that's always going to have a target on his back. You see it every year when the Heat are in the playoffs. And I mean, he didn't, wasn't in, really involved much in the postseason this year as the, the Heat uh, played better and went to the NBA Finals. Um, I don't pin that on, I don't pin that on Hero, but it is something to sort of like at least take note of. But um, this is a guy that routinely you've seen people are going to try to get him in a switch and go after him. Like he's just got a target on his back. And, you know, I do think that the Hornets were ever in a postseason scenario where this was an issue. They would love for that to be the case, right? <laughs> Cause it would mean that they were in a, a you know, a postseason series that turned into a half court slugfest, you know, but just, I don't see the physicality, the screen navigation, the, the one-on-one defensive impact. Like I just don't see it there. It's another skinnier guard that doesn't really defend at a high level. And I would need to like watch more of Miami to sort of like get a better feel for what his like team def- team defense looks like. Certainly the Heat have played a lot of zone with Eric Spolstra and Tyler Hero there, perhaps in part to try to keep him 
out of some of those matchup uh, issues. But um, I would like the game that we watched the the Mark Williams versus Miami game from February earlier this year. Uh, just in the in the Williams clips alone that we showed, which were probably like five or six offensive clips, like multiple defensive breakdowns from Hero. So that's a little bit of cherry picking on, on my end. I would need to watch more of his film and sort of like study him more off ball to get a better feel for it. But I don't think the like point of attack screen navigation one-on-one defense is a, is a strength by any means. So it would ultimately depend on, I think who the other ball handler would be in the mix with them. Like if that, if Brandon Miller, you know, ended up becoming a star and a guy that could actually give you some downhill creation or, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I've been pretty like hesitant to, to mention too many, like, long-term scenarios with miles bridges back as like a foundational piece. And I've avoided that for a lot of obvious reasons, but you know, bridges is a guy that is a pressure point on the rim and you could probably build a, a, a good half court offense. If you got, you know, the, the miles bridges from 2022 with LaMelo and Tyler hero, I still think you have lots of defensive concerns, but um, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't love the fit offensively. I have big concerns for it defensively. There's some stuff you could do offensively that would work very well that would that would come from the the Lamello hero or the Lamello Rozier stylistic playbook, but um I still think you would run into a lot of the same issues that this team has uh throughout the last 3 seasons even when the offense has been like a good regular good to very good regular season offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you know ninety nine percent of what you just said there. He does not solve the issues in which the Hornets have been, uh, you know, plagued with in the past handful of seasons. And I, I I do think that like if he was involved in this trade for Charlotte, it would have to come at the expense for of Terry Rozier. Like you aren't trading Hero for him to come off the bench at that four year one hundred twenty million dollar number that you just said. Like. And for matching purposes, like Rozier makes a ton of sense to be included in a three-team, four-team deal. So let me ask you this question. like, Even if he doesn't really move the needle for you, does the fact that he is five, six years younger than Rozier, albeit he's locked in for an extra year out into 26-27, does that like sway you any more or is it, or is it too much of a you know lateral move where his shot making and maybe incremental steps on defense just aren't going to sway you enough <laughs> yeah i mean yes i think so okay. I, I think it would be a little bit too lateral i mean i you know look i i wanted them to draft scoot henderson so like anything anything short of that right now just doesn't sound all that uh, appealing to me at the moment. And I think, I guess the one case you could make is that perhaps hero could retain some, has more trade value uh, two years. I mean, I think he would have more trade value two years from now than Terry Rozier because hero would be in the prime of his career. He would have two years on his contract, not one. So like maybe you could squeeze something else out of him and, so there's that and in the, in the interim you could have like a you could build a potentially build a, a decent offense with LaMelo and, and Hero as you're like the all sauce you know backcourt of the Hornets but I and I guess having like a Mark Williams type defensively at center assuming he continues to develop and prove could be a guy that would like make up for some of those 
perimeter deficiencies, you know, uh, you know, navigating screens and getting over screens, that type of stuff by just having his size in the paint and at the rim. But, but no, I don't know. How do you feel about, um, hero as a hypothetical addition, Richie? I do think it's a lateral move, but I, I would be more interested in it because he is a younger player. Uh, than Rosier, obviously. Like I think that's just naturally you you have more room for improvement. But yeah, I mean, if things don't work out the way that you want it to, uh, he's not solving the issues on the defensive side of the court. Does it make a ton of sense? But he 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 would have more trade value, like you said. And I guess I also wonder too. Like it's not going to strictly be like a Rosier for Hero straight up. Like for us to kind of be facilitating, we'd probably have to send something else Portland's way. To, to kind of entice the deal and yeah, and try to for sure. probably, probably want a young player like JT Thor. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. Or, or maybe even a second round pick. I'm not really, yeah. well, I guess if we have those, um, <laughs> Thor is the kind of guy they would, I could see them wanting yeah. to take a flyer on for sure. You know, mix, he would make some sense for them. I think, I guess there is one, I guess it's worth at least like entertaining the possibility that like, if they did trade for, uh, Tyler hero, which again, not advocating for, but like, if you have Hero, Lamelo, Miller at the one, two, three, like you know, that's your starting group a couple seasons from now. If Rozier and Hayward are out the door, right. so you, it's those three guys with PJ and Mark, Mark Williams. I suppose there's like interesting four round one stuff you could do. You know, you've got three. If Miller develops the way you hope, you all of a sudden you've got three guys of different sizes. Uh, that can run pick and roll, like, you know, high volume pick and roll. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not certain that that Miller's going to develop like that, to be clear. Like I've, I've stated that multiple times before the draft and after the draft, but I suppose there's some scenario where that would happen, but uh, not one that I like seeing play out. But uh, yeah, I guess you could see like just a spread pick and roll machine with those three guys Williams as the guy that can really be the pressure point on the rim because of his uh, his uh, you know his wingspan, his size, his athleticism, his finishing, and PJ's PJ just being the guy that can connect everything and space the floor. Like maybe there's something there, but um, that seems like absolute best case scenario, and you're not even factoring in uh, the defense at that point either. So. I, I yeah I don't know it's just not it's not the the type of business that I would want to be in but Hero's young he's a good she's a big shot maker he's a like he's a talent so I could get why a team would um have some interest in him and who knows I I'd have to go back to remember if the if the Hornets like you know maybe kick the can on him in 2019 like it's a largely the same front office that's still there too you know like it's still you know, Mitch Kupchak and Buzz Peterson, you know, uh, making decisions here. So maybe, maybe they've had a fondness for him, you know, going back to his Kentucky days. Yeah. And, and we're talking about this, like this is an actual possibility, but it feels like Jake Fisher just kind of threw the Hornets in there. Maybe Mitch like butt dialed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His, his phone was on. I mean, I guess it is technically it's, it's above the belt here. You know what I mean? Like it's not a, uh, it's not in the moratorium, so Mitch Kupchak would be allowed to have a, a cell phone on, according to uh, right. NBA rules. All right, so let's switch it over to, to Buddy Heald, and and this player obviously not linked with Charlotte, uh, to my knowledge. But you had uh, told me about how Zach Lowe did a podcast recently this week, and and he threw out an idea about suggesting a trade that would land Buddy Heald in Charlotte. 
I listened to it this morning. It seems like he was just kind of like rattling off teams, just yeah, kind of yeah. throwing out packages that could make sense. And with the Pacers not making any headway on an extension with Buddy Heald, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next offseason, and he will be 31 years old. So Hero and Buddy Heald, obviously three-point shooters. I think Buddy Heald is just probably more of the pure shooter, uh, but mm-hmm. you've got a guy that's going to be on a expiring contract, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense for what like I, I think the Charlotte Hornets are trying to do here. You know, Buddy's a guy that probably would be better off, better suited going to a team that is going to be competing, uh, a guy that could provide shooting, which Charlotte needs. Uh, don't get me wrong, but a guy that would be on a playoff rotation. So the idea that low throughout, which I don't even know if Pacers would go for this, Cody Martin and oh, really? James Booknight and or Kai Jones, I, I just don't see the Pacers going for that. I, I believe they could probably get more. And I guess there's some certainty with Martin, you know, having three more seasons compared to Buddy Heald only having this upcoming season. But book to me really isn't even an asset. Like when you're throwing in book, I, I don't know if that really like bumps it up really all that much. So I didn't really spend a ton of time thinking about this, Brian, but I just not sure that that Charlotte really would be in play for Buddy. Yeah, that. um well, first off, just uh, a, a couple of a couple of things. Yeah, like to say like James Booknight is an asset in distress is like the the undersell of the century right now. You know, like. Um, but if I remember correctly from the 2021 draft, uh, Booknight is someone that the Pacers had eyes on, and he was a guy that could have been in their the the late lottery range for them. I think they ended up going Isaiah Jackson. I, I want to say, but you could see. Uh, maybe there being some sort of like lingering interest in book night because of that. I could absolutely see Cody Martin being a guy that they like, right? Um, you know, he's a sprint when, when healthy, he can get out on the break and transition. You could see him getting a couple easy buckets per game by just running with, uh, Tyrese Halliburton and grabbing those hit ahead passes from Hallie, you know, assuming he just basically assuming he continues to shoot the ball. I could see him being like a, you know, kind of a role fit on a lot in a lot of places. Um, and he's, you know, he's, I guess, in the prime of his career. So there, there's something to be said about that. He brings like a toughness factor. So I could see a lot of teams being like kind of interested in him. I don't know what Book Knight is doing for you other than just like he helps get the salaries in the right range. And maybe there's some type of a flyer like, uh, you know, he gets in Rick Carlisle's system. And even though he's way down the depth chart, like maybe maybe that's the thing like Aaron Neesmith did sort of like rehab his career and standing in the league um, in that, in that system. So, uh, you know, who knows, but I just, you know, healed is set to make 19, a little over 19 million next season. You put Martin and book night together. That's 12 over $12 million in salary. Like it, it does work um, just those two, like in a, in a, in a two for one, but I'll just be honest, like as far as healed goes with the roster, I think a lot of the stuff I was just mentioning about uh, the, like the limitations of a hypothetical LaMelo hero backcourt. Yeah. He's not on defense either. No, he's not. And he's older and he's not a guy that you run like a bunch of like spread pick and roll for. And like you, I know, I know healed is like a special movement shooter, right? Like I, I get it. He's like, you know, he's one of, he, he's like outside, like he's like next to only, he's only, he's behind like only Steph or whatever the last couple of years. And like, if you sort for like 
X number of temps per 36 minutes at, you know, above 40% or whatever. Like he's an, an incredible bomber with range that you can, and you can leverage that gravity in a bunch of ways. So he becomes a very useful offensive player in that court just because of like what he can do. And there's so many like guard to guard, like all of the ways that like the Hornets have used Rozier with LaMelo you could see that happening with LaMelo and Heald, the ghost screens, pistol action, all of the 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 sort of like choreographed after timeout movement sets to get Rozier coming off of screens or flares or pin downs like, you know, Heald can slot into all of that um, or hypothetically could. But in this hypothetical, you're keeping Rozier. And so just like the the backcourt of uh, LaMelo, Rozier, Buddy Heald, who I don't really think you want to play those three guys together. Um, I mean, just the the lack of rim pressure, the the issues that you would have defensively. This is a poor perimeter defensive unit at the moment, unless Brandon Miller like really really pops, which uh, we'll see. But um, they would also be trading away Cody Martin, right? Who we just talked we just talked about on the last pod with Spencer, like you know, pretty pretty solidly like the Hornets best returning wing defender, best perimeter defender guard wing defender. Um, so I don't know. It's like, I could almost see it like under like Borrego just because mm-hmm. it is so funny to go back and look at some of the lineups, the Hornets played like LaMelo's first two seasons where it was just like Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges and PJ Washington at the same time, just like pure, pure five out, like small yeah. ball Nirvana. I don't see it as much with uh, with with uh, Steve Clifford, and I just don't love the the fit lineup wise and roster wise with Heald. I guess you're not giving up that much if it's. I mean, like Martin to me is still like a a, a solid player, yeah. assuming he's healthy. Book Knight, he, you know, uh, he's shown just so little, and I and it, even when he got here, it was he was not like an incredible pick to begin with, but. Last thing I want to say on this, and I'd be curious to get your your stamp on on this too, Richie. But like, I mean this. I really do mean this in in, in nothing but respect because Zach Lowe is he's the best at this. Like he's entertaining, informative. I've learned an insane amount about basketball reading his columns, listening to his podcasts over the years. Like I, he's in my opinion, he's just like the best sports journalist. He's the best journalist that I've ever read, etc. Like could not have more respect. Like I'm using all of that to preface this, but there have been two pods of his recently, including this one where they were talking about, he was talking about Cody Martin and he mentioned that Cody Martin, like the way he phrased it was sort of that like, Oh, Cody Martin, like fell out of favor in yeah, their rotation last season. Injured. It was like, he was hurt all of yeah. last year. Like the reason why he fell out of favor with the coaching staff is because he was physically unable to play. Um, this is absolutely a guy that would have like totally endeared himself to the coaching staff last season, and they certainly could have used him. They were having to like go through like Teo Maldon and uh Bryce McGowan's, who I mean, I like I like Bryce McGowan's quite a bit as a young player, but like they're having to lean on those guys and Kelly Oubre. Like, I promise you, if he was yeah. physically able, like Steve Clifford would have been playing this guy ton last season and that's not that like low had another pod like a week or two ago where he did the same he sort of like couched martin in the same way um and it's just not an, an accurate portrayal uh it's a rare it's like a rare 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 miss um in terms of like sort of like player evaluation 
and roster composition from, uh, in my opinion, the greatest to ever do it. But yeah, that's just not that's not what happened with Cody Martin last season. That's funny when when he said that on, on the pod when I listened to it today. I thought the same thing. I was like, am I missing something like out of favor? Like, it's not like he sat the bench yeah. because, you know, he was outplayed by people in front of him. No, he, he just couldn't play. Like, he was no, getting- Kelly, Kelly Oubre outdogged him in practice. That's why uh, Cody Martin wasn't playing. It wasn't because of a, you know, nagging injuries that he had for 90% of the season. Yeah. All right. Uh, just to kind of wrap up this healed hero thing, like, I know that you're not in favor of acquiring either. There's some down. There's plenty of downsides for both. I, I just would never understand why they would even go after Heald in the in the first place. I'm not really sure what he does for the Hornets this season because he's on an expiring. I don't see a whole lot of benefit in going for him. He's getting up there in age, so you probably know where I land. Like if you were to choose, all things equal, the 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 deal was balanced. You know, would you rather have Heald? on a one-year contract or hero for these four, next four years for 120 million and i know i know you probably don't want either but like just just choose brian just entertain it <laughs> oh, it's tough because it, it's a it's a very interesting like sort of like value proposition between like better shooter on a much shorter contract versus hero who's younger in theory could still be getting better Right. Um, and do more with the basketball and like maybe able to flip him for something else down the line, like in, in a year or two from now, you might be able to turn him into something. And I think with healed, you're sort of like whatever, whatever players or draft capital you, you give up, like you're not going to probably not going to get like whatever you get back is going to be like whatever healed gives to you next season. But man, having Tyler hero at $30 million per season yeah. parked on your books for the next 40 years. Um, God, it's tough. I, I don't, I don't really love, either. <laughs> I don't really love either of these. I will say, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say healed just cause okay. I can, I can get out from underneath yeah. it quicker, but yeah, that's true. But like, it's just tough because if you give up stuff to get him, um, you know, that stuff's out the door and, Maybe he helps you a little bit and Charlotte, you know, somehow slides into the playoffs and then loses its first round pick, you know, like, you know, these are like, they've, 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 none of these are like great options in, in my opinion. So, and maybe I'm underselling hero's talent. Like, again, he's young. He can run, pick and roll. He's a shot maker. Like those guys are, you know, technically they, they don't grow on trees that you, there are guys that should be valued, but and, and heroes are really good shooters, so I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making the wrong call there, but I I just think like uh, I'll use the old adage: the years not money, right? And so I'll apply it to the fact that um, I can at least like reset at the guard position after you know, hopefully after that, um, as opposed to like sort of like extend. I mean, you still have to figure out what you're doing with Rozier, I Rozier. guess. Even if, even if you traded for Heald. Or who knows? Maybe it's like you know, healed for Rozier. You know, maybe that's the. I mean, I don't think that's it, but um, I, I guess there that's a you know a, somehow a possibility. But um, I don't know. How do you feel? What what would you? Which of those two hypotheticals would you take? I mean, I would take Hero. Like I said, I I don't know if I would want either of these deals. We've both made the case that it probably doesn't make a ton of sense. But Hero to me is a little bit more intriguing just because of his youth. And I think if all things are equal, yeah, 
yeah. that's I'm, pro- I'm probably underselling him a little bit. Like he can pass and play make and you can do handoff stuff with him too. I, I just, yeah, maybe I, I, I may be wrong about that one. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right. We have a loyal <laughs> listener, Keith. He asked a uh, listener question when healthy, what is the ceiling and what is the floor of this team? And I don't know if he's talking about, you know, wins or if he's talking about the standings in the East, but yeah, if, if the Hornets are healthy, I still think their floor could be 12th or 13th in the East. I, I For still sure. Possibility. And obviously, you know, if other teams are healthy, then it kind of evens it out anyway. So I, I know that sounds low, but many teams got marginally better in the East. I think that Washington and Detroit really, you know, if all things go the way they are planned, don't have a big shot at, at, at passing mm-hmm. the Hornets. If the Hornets stay healthy, I think the ceiling of this team, and I was just kind of going through the list of teams here. And this, I, I mean, this sounds actually optimistic in my mind. Like I feel like top 10 feels optimistic. Like think about the teams that they would have to pass. Let, let's just say that the Wizards and Pistons are below them. So that would put them at 13th. But they would mm-hmm. still have to pass the Raptors, the Magic, the Nets, and then they would be 10th. Or any combination of those teams with the Pacers and the Bulls. Like, mm. they had to pass like three other teams in addition to the Pistons and the Wizards to kind of get up in that top play-in, play-in conversation. So, do you see them like being a top 9, 8 team or <sighs> like a 10 team at, at at best. I mean, it's amazing. They're just in the same situation again. Like it's just, it's just like, God, Jesus, man. They just like can't. They they end up in this pit every year where it's like they could bottom out and be the worst team in the league, or like eh, maybe maybe they're uh maybe they're like between nine or ten in the East. You know? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think like Washington. You know, Washington's going to be obviously be bad next season. Um, the Pistons, I think, are going to be, you know, they're going to be bad. But I mean, who knows if if Kate Cunningham makes a jump, maybe he just raises their floor enough. And, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a toss up between those two teams for the you know, 12, 13 spots in the East. But yeah, I mean, I think their floor is like I think the floor is like 14th in the East. OK. I I do think there's some there is some ceiling where they could get to like eight or nine and be like at five hundred, but like that's like that's really like that assumes like good health for Gordon Hayward. That assumes uh, you know Bridges comes back and plays well. That assumes Brandon Miller has a good rookie season. Mark Williams makes a jump, and like most importantly you know, LaMelo makes a, a big jump. I suppose like we have to rethink the math a little bit. If all of a sudden, like he's just, you know, 10%, 20% better than he was last season, you know, like that does change things a little bit, but um, in until then, like, no, it's just, it's hard to see them. The East is, it's just a lot of good teams. I, I really think there's only like one to two, obviously bad teams. And um, I think the Hornets are closer to those teams than they are to like a, a team like Indiana, you know, that's going to be yeah. fighting for a play in a playoff spot. Like, you know, I just, you know, the Pacers have a better roster and a really good coach. So um, I don't know where do you, you, so you, you have them between like 13 to 10, basically 10 and 13. 10 and 13. Yeah. Um, in the East. 
So I, I, I'm going to be more optimistic on the low end. I don't think they're going to be, you know, 14th or 15th. Uh, you, you think that they could potentially be the second worst team in the East. I, 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 I do. I think there's a, ch- I mean, like that, that would, that would be like Washington worst, obviously. And like the Pistons make some jump and the Hornets have bad injury luck and they regret, you know what I mean? Like something like that. But I, I, I guess I should say the, I, I think that's the absolute floor, you know, right, right. but, but, but I think they're, I do think like, they're set to win more games next season than the the uh, the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. So we wish we could be a little bit more positive, Keith, but we appreciate the question. Thanks again to everyone who joined us live. Uh, as always, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple. Go ahead and review us on those sites as well. Lastly, visit buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed where you can get ad-free episodes and early access to episodes so we thank you guys again for supporting us and joining us again we're brian i'm richie we'll talk to you guys later have a good one Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.